welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. I want to speak this morning um, about um, the message I've called this, uh, but some doubted. How many of you know that doubt is a... uh, Doubt is a is an enemy of our life. It's kind of a, but it's a it's a consistent one, isn't it? If if ever there's a consistency in our life, doubt is doubt is the one that's the most consistent. Uh, and um, I want to start by speaking about a guy called um, Eric. Now, this is he's probably German, right? I don't know. He's he's an American guy, but the name I'm going to say, Vi Henmeyer. You can believe me if you like. Uh, he became the only blind person in history to reach the summit of Mount Everest in 2001. He has since been on the cover of Time magazine, climbed the seven summits, which are the highest points on each continent, written three books, kayaked the entire 277 miles of the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon and co-founded No Barriers, an organization that helps people with challenges face barriers head on and live rich and meaningful lives. Some people are just annoying, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are what I call the one percenters. They're the people, they're the one percenters because they live in that one percent world where, where the rest of us could live but don't. And they live in a world of, of expectation and belief in things where capabilities, natural capabilities are limited, where the world says, where we say, where circumstances say, everything says, you can't do this. But they just go out and go, but I think I can. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 20, uh, 28, we get the, we get the, um, the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is, is, a, is an empowering message to go and make disciples of all nations, to, to take the gospel to the whole world. And it's been the driving force of the church for 2,000 years. And, and it's, it's, it's what we always come back to. What, what should this church be doing to go into all the world? It's, it's, it's so commissioning. But I want to read it, and I want you to reread it, because I often, I find by rereading, I see things I haven't seen before. And I, I want you to see something that I haven't seen for some reason, I haven't read this particular verse. Somehow I've skimmed past it. In Matthew 28, verse 16, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, so we spend a lot of time talking about the Great Commission to go out and reach. We live in a church, we live in a time where we believe that we shouldn't be 
held by boundaries or shouldn't be held by, by circumstances or situations, but we believe in seeing our nation safe. We believe in seeing uh, a city restored. We believe in seeing marriages healed. We believe in seeing uh, kids being returned to their parents and parents to their kids. We believe in the hand of, of Christ, salvation and redemption, touching people's lives, right? And, and we, we read this and we see that the 11 disciples, so Jesus has, has risen again. He's been appearing and reappearing, walking through walls. And he's been doing all sorts of weird things since he sort of like just super weird things that the natural mind just can't really deal with. And, and, and then he tells his disciples, he takes his 11 disciples and he takes them up onto a mountain to give them the great commission. And so they come up onto the mountain and then Jesus appears before them. And it says, and they went and worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Now, after they doubted, he gave them the great commission. In the context of their doubt, he gave them the great commission. And they turned the world upside down. So their doubt didn't stop the healing. It didn't stop the miracles. It didn't stop. Their doubt didn't stop any of those things from taking place. Are you with me here? See, we have to understand that doubt and belief are two very different things. They are like two trees that grow in the garden. You can't beat doubt by having more belief. Are you with me here? You can't beat doubt by having more belief. The problem we have with doubt is we try and believe more. Are you with me here? Have you you ever doubted? (laughs) Probably Jim's doubted more than us just because he's been around longer. (laughs) So (laughs) he's had a head start on all of us. Doubt is part of our human condition, is it not? And so we feel like I've got, I've got to believe more. So we try and believe more, thinking it resolves doubt. But doubt and belief are two very different trees that grow in the same garden. It is possible for doubt and belief to coexist at the same time. Because they're different trees. You, you see, one belief is like an olive tree that needs to be tended and grown and pruned and it will become very fruitful and produce an incredible... Anyone who's been in the Mediterranean or or anywhere where it's hot enough to grow olive trees, you'll you'll see how beautiful they are and and that lovely silvery green leaves and and the fruit that grows from them and and the olive oil. I love olive oil. I've got this thing when I go shopping. I only buy olive oil. You know how expensive that is. Every time I, I look at the price and go, vegetable oil. <laughs> and then I go, no, I can't do it. I have to have olive oil. I just have to have olive oil. It's something, it's just so nice. And, and uh, so I, I, I only have olive oil and because the olive tree is, 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 is uh, pictures. The, it, it demonstrates in the kingdom of God the, the fullness of, the fruitfulness of God and, and the life, the anointing, the power of God 
moving in our lives. And, and so your belief system is like a beautiful olive tree. But your unbelief, and I'm going to pick the sycamore, right, is like a sycamore tree. Now, I've got a sycamore tree in my garden. Sycamore trees are not native trees to, uh, to the UK, uh, but they're incredibly tenacious growers. And, and I spend my springtime picking out the, the um, sycamore roots that have grown up as the weather warms. They'll shoot up through the, the paving slabs. They just grow everywhere. They're incredibly fast growing. And here's the thing about um, sycamore trees, which I, I didn't realize, is that they, they're enormous trees and they, they grow really, really large and they have a huge amount of um, life on them, like bugs and stuff, because obviously the, the life that grows on a tree is really important for the local sort of wildlife. But here's the thing, the problem with them, they only have like one or two bugs, just lots of them. So a sycamore is fairly useless when it comes to feeding the local wildlife. It's like having a massive superstore turn up in town and all it sells is burgers and chips. <laughs> that, that's, that's as good as a sycamore gets. Here's the thing with sycamores, they make great firewood. <laughs> and they're good for chopping down. But they, they're not really that good for local wildlife yeah. and because they don't feed it. And so I, I'm going to say that your belief system, your belief is like growing an olive tree, but your unbelief is, is like growing a sycamore. And sycamores will just grow everywhere. And once they grow, they will crowd out the sunlight that comes in your garden and they will restrain and restrict the boundary life of what you can see and what you can do. You see, we have to understand that we live with these two conflicting trees in our life. Let me read to you in the Gospels. I've got it here somewhere. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. This is, I've read this many times. Um, this is the, the man who has a, a child who... Um, keeps um, having fits and throwing, being thrown in the fire and the, the disciples can't heal him. And Jesus told him he just needs to believe. And this is what the father says. The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So what he's saying is, I have faith, but I also have unbelief. I've got belief, but I've also got unbelief. I've got this tree here, but the problem with this tree here is, is not that this tree needs to get bigger. It's that this tree here needs to come down. Because this tree can't grow because it's been crowded out from the sunlight of God's love by the sycamore that has grown and crowded it out. You see, your unbelief, will crowd out your ability to see and believe what God has got for your life. Yeah. My neighbor, he, um, uh, one of my neighbors, he, he's got a sunroom 
that when he sits in it, he's got the perfect view of Benahi. And Benahi is visible from many parts around the city, from the south to the north. You can see it from almost anywhere, on from the edge of the city out. It's a, it's a beautiful mountain. You can get up there. Um, if you follow Lee on uh, Instagram, you'll get a photograph every day of the top of it because he runs up there, and it's, which is extraordinary. He, he can run to the top and back again in about half an hour. It takes me about three days. And... <laughs> And uh, he and and Ben he is a, is 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 a beautiful. It's quite a small mountain, about seventeen hundred feet. Um, and uh, it, uh, but you can see this mountain now. My neighbour can see Ben he. Away down beyond the uh, beyond his uh, sunroom, his his house sits up, and the land just falls away slightly. And then there's a road, and then beyond the road is another field. And beyond that field is a row of trees. And the trees grow up and block the view of Benahim. So one day I come past and him and another neighbour had got in some tree surgeons and they just took the top off the trees and just took them, well, right down to hedge height uh, so that they can continue to look at the view. Here's the thing with unbelief. Unbelief is the boundary line of your own capability. It's the boundary line of your own capability. You see, we f- go end up trying to get, sort of fight unbelief in turn by trying, we fight unbelief by trying to nurture belief. But, but belief, unbelief is simply the, the recognition of boundary lines of your own humanness. Yeah. Are you with me here? It's understanding, this is something, it's just you seeing your own humanness, the, the limitation of your own ability. And that's why unbelief always continues to grow because your humanness is very limited. Does that make sense to you? So that, so that there is a limitation to your ability. And what it does is it says that this is what you're capable of. Like this, this man, Eric, who, who was blind, but his limitation for most blind people is to be... He- led by a person, by a dog, by, uh, by sticks, to be led around uh, and to be told that, you know, your life is that maybe you can get a job working uh, computers or something, but their, their world is, is very restrict and restrained. It's like, this is a limitation, but this fella who decided to climb Mount Everest, in his heart, he could see a mountain, but it was way beyond... His capabilities, his natural capabilities. You see, your boundary line of natural capability is marked by unbelief because it just centers around your experiences of life and and your own personal failures and, and the mistakes you've made and the experiences. All of these are the seedbeds of a sycamore tree to just shoot up and, and just take a boundary. It becomes like a marker in your own life that, that stops you from being able to see the horizon of God's possibilities for your life. And so what happens is with all of these things that your humanness will continually remind you of what you can't do. Here is a man that says, Jesus, I believe, but help me, I've got a forest 
of trees that have grown around the boundary lines of my life and my, my freedom, my son's freedom is only possible outside of that boundary line. But, but I can't see past it because the trees are too big. You see, what happens in our life is that we spend our time trying to nurture the, un, the, the belief of the, the tree, but your, your belief system needs sunlight, and the only way it's going to get sunlight is if it's going to have the unbelief cut down. So we need to understand, if we're going to believe, grow in our belief system, we need to be able to see what God can do for our lives. Jesus came to the disciples, and this is what happened. They ran up to him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then he gave them the Great Commission. Not even bothered by their doubt. Why is that? It's an unusual experience, isn't it? He doesn't say to them, you must believe. He doesn't say that. He says, go into all the world. He, he just tells them what they're going to do anyway. It's like they're doubting. They've already got the sycamores growing. And, and belief, their belief system is, is struggling with a set of really weird and unusual circumstances. Like Jesus appearing and reappearing. He doesn't look like he used to look. And every time I see him, he looks different. <laughs> I mean, we would all struggle in that context, wouldn't we? I mean, we like to be the disciples. We all like to think that we'd be like Mary or something. But there's not a chance, right? There's not a chance. People like Mary are a very, they're the one percenters, right? <laughs> They're just pure-hearted people. I, I meet very, very few pure-hearted people. Uh, I'm definitely not pure-hearted. I, I wrestle with unbelief, right? Like everybody else. They, I wrestle with that. And those, those lines are the boundary lines of, of failures and the boundary lines of, of experience and, and cranial thought where I thought something and then agreed with myself. That's a really big mistake, by the way, yeah. is thinking something and then agreeing with yourself that you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that establishes a belief system in itself. And, yeah. and see, unbelief is a belief system. It's, mm. it's still a tree, yeah. and it will grow, but it will block out the sunlight, which is God's love. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus meets them on the mountain, they run. And they, they greet him, they worship him. And even though they're doubting, they're still worshiping him. Yeah. Now, in a very old um, uh, 19th century book that gives scriptural references, a scripture is tied to this, which used to read, it's just like, I read it and I thought, what has that got to do with anything? Let me read it to you, Psalms chapter 2. And this is the last verse in Psalms, um, Psalms 2. Psalms chapter 2, verse 12 says this. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. That's a really weird cross-reference, isn't that? Isn't that you look at that and you go, what has that got to do with 
with the disciples worshipping Jesus, but doubting. Here's the amazing thing. Worship means to kiss forward. That's what it literally means. It's its literal translation. Kiss forward. Worship means to kiss. So when we worship the Lord, we are, uh, some theologians call it, we're blowing him kisses, which sounds a bit... (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like something that's just too happy is the right word, isn't it? (laughs) We're kissing the Lord when we worship him. When the, when, when the woman who came and wept at Jesus' feet, she worshipped him by kissing him. Jesus said, you never, to the, to the Pharisees, you never kiss me. This woman hasn't stopped kissing me. So her kisses are a sign of her worship. To worship the Lord is to kiss the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. All right? It's, it's, to, it's, it's part of that. That's how, why worship is so beautiful. In this scripture, kiss the son. It says, kiss the son lest he be angry. Bear in mind that's an Old Testament context. And you perish in his way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Look at the next line. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. You see, when you worship the Lord, you create a line of blessing which begins to cut down the trees of unbelief. Because unbelief roots itself in your life experiences. It's got, it's got nothing to do with your belief system. You think you're failing with your believing because you've got unbelief. Are you with me here? You think that I, my belief systems fail because I've got unbelief. They're two different trees. Right? Your belief system how you believe has got nothing to do with how you unbelieve. Yeah. Are you with me here? Yeah. So this is really simple. I just need to, you to get the two. There are two trees in your garden. You've got olive trees that need sunlight and you've got sycamores that are taking it all. Yeah. They're blocking out the sunlight and stopping your belief. So your belief system is restrained by the trees of unbelief, but the unbelief is a different tree. So even if you tend your belief system, if you don't deal with unbelief, which is a different tree, you'll still get it because it will still root in your life because of the experiences you're going through. So you can be in a prayer meeting and you can, or in church and you really meet with the presence of the Lord and your heart is turned towards him. But then you get home and on the way home, somebody bumps into your car and, and you accidentally say things which a good person shouldn't say. And, and maybe some experiences happen. Maybe you were believing God for finances and you sow some seed, but then you get these massive bills come in and you go, what was that all about? I was believing and... and Two very different circumstances, two very different issues. They're different seeds. The the disasters in your life have got nothing to do with the failures. The the disasters have got nothing to do with the successes. Are you with me here? So, So the seeds of fruitfulness that are birthed in your life are seeds which are sown through the preciousness of worship, but unbelief is a seed which 
grows because of your experience of natural life. You with me? The disciples doubted because Jesus died, then he appeared, then he disappeared, then he came back looking like a different bloke altogether, then he comes and sits on the shore and he's got fish when he tells them to go fishing and he's already got fish. What's that all about? Why did he tell me to go and get fish when he's already got fish? It could have saved me from fishing. He's flipping with their brain, right? And so in it all, he's leading them to a place, but their humanness doubts. And the sycamore seeds, the sycamore, you know, the sycamore, the helicopters, and they, and they pop into the ground. They need 90 days about that of cold weather. That's all they need, just 90 days of below a certain temperature, and then pop, they're away. They just sit in the ground of coldness, the coldness of your heart, just a little while. And then, bam, they spring to life. And they root in all these different little places. They begin to root up and begin to restrain. They just, all they're doing is revealing your humanness. But belief is fed by the horizon you can see beyond your humanness. It's by looking into the heavens. It's by looking beyond to the Father and beginning to see that as you look towards him and as you worship the king, as you begin to worship him, so what happens is your life begins to embrace that which is beautiful and it just literally removes the tops of those trees. It cuts them down. It begins to take and root out unbelief so that there are no boundary lines between your capability and God's possibility yeah, for yeah, your life. Mm-hmm. Let me just give you these. This, um... You see, uh, let me just give you, I'm going to give you a couple of verses. How are we doing? Oh, ooh, look at that. Okay. Romans, I'm going to give you two scriptures. All right. The first one is, just so that you can see how this Romans chapter 1, this is an unbelief scripture, right? Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans chapter 1 is so politically incorrect, particularly in today's world. It's like, you read that, you're like, wow. Okay. So, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. What happened? When unbelief is allowed to root, it darkens your life and you stop worshipping the king whose light shines upon you. So he's clearly seen. He's clearly understood. The whole of the world, humankind, mankind, has always looked for God. Has always, always looked for God. Mm. God is visible. But the Lord says, because they decided not to worship him, he gave them over to their futile thinking. In other words, if you won't worship me, you can live within that tiny little garden you've set yourself. Mm. And the darkness of those unbelieving trees will grow up over you. And you'll suddenly discover what a small world you live in. That's what happens when we don't worship the Lord. Our our world restrains and restricts. 
But look at this in in Romans chapter 12. This is, this is like, it's something we read all the time, but I, I want you to see, I beseech you therefore, Romans 12 verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What is he saying? He's saying, I, I'm urging you, brethren, kiss the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Beg your pardon. <laughs> that was the beans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What he's saying is, what, he, <laughs> what he's saying is, kiss the Lord, worship the king. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect, a good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's the thing, when the Holy Spirit came, see, see the disciples even when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, they still doubt. Because doubt is something you have to deal with. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the Father, but you've got to deal with it. Are you with me here? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. They baptize in the Holy Spirit, but they still have a very limited view. He says, worship the Lord, but don't be conformed. In other words, your thinking is conformed to the thinking of this limited world. But begin to see God, begin to see the Holy Spirit, look towards the Holy Spirit, and you'll begin to see a world that is much bigger than you could possibly imagine. Your worldview is very, very small. I realize your, your financial perspective is very, very small. I, I need you to see that. Your, your health perspective is very, very small. We live in a small world. We live in a small world. We need to see things much bigger. We need to see a church of hundreds of thousands. Wow, I felt the faith come back right back at me. There we are. <laughs> we need to see a church of hundreds of thousands. We need to see church, churches of hundreds of thousands. We need, to see, we need to see the power of God moving in our finances, in our relationships, in souls being saved and changed. We need to see the power of God moving because we need to see the kingdom of God and not our own capabilities. Because if you measure life by those things, the, the sycamore will just grow over and will, your life will get smaller, not larger. So we need to begin to stand. As we begin to see, we begin to worship the Lord. Then we begin to discover, if I'm not conformed by our thinking, the Holy Spirit will not change your thinking. You have to do that. You have to do it, change your thinking. And you change your thinking by worshipping the king. When you worship him, you come into that place where you can begin to see his light shining on you. And his light is the love of God. And so when the light of the Lord, which is the love of God, shines upon you, so your belief system begins to flourish and you begin to see a different kind of world. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.